0: Street Talk by Franklin Street provides real-time expertise navigating the trending topics of today's commercial real estate markets. Episodes feature industry insiders in dynamic conversations hosted by Franklin Street's CEO and managing partner, Andrew Wright. Hello and welcome to this episode of Street Talk. Uh, In today's uh, session, we're going to talk a little bit about the office and industrial environment. Uh, With with me, I have Chris Butler, a 30-year veteran in that business that brings a wide perspective you spent the first 10 years on the developer side, and then I spent the last 20 years transacting billions of dollars in val- in lease value. And Chris, thanks for joining me today.
1: Thanks, Andrew, glad to be here.
0: Uh, well, let's just go ahead and jump right into it. A lot, lot's changed uh, over the last couple months. I've been talking a lot about that. What fundamental behavior changes are you seeing within the office and industrial environment?
1: Sure, great question. It's kind of on everybody's mind. Most companies, and really speaking of both office and industrial, are struggling with how do you reopen? What accommodations do you need to make? And there are probably six that are in the forefront of everybody's conversation. And I'll mention these. Not everybody is going to do um, all of them, but it is uh, it is topic of conversation. And really, the first thing that everybody's concerned about is how do we make our employees comfortable and safe feel safe and so where most experts have started to focus is the entry point coming into the office coming into the building and so we're going to see accommodations like um, you know doors being held open uh, attendance at elevators we're going to potentially see people uh, having their temperature checked. And once that you're good to go, then you can proceed through the office. Uh, So I think kind of that, that's the first line of defense is making sure that the people are well coming into the office. Um, Cleaning will be a big deal. uh, And we've already seen big cleaning companies that are publicly held. We've seen their stock go through the roof. Um, Contact free is a big buzzword that we're hearing about, especially, On the retail and restaurant front in terms of takeout. So the idea of people coming to the workplace and not having to touch is going to be a big deal. Um, And where that's impossible, you know, we can expect to see lots of you know um, hand sanitizer and wipes pretty much everywhere. Uh, The other big buzzword is distancing, increased distancing. So We'll definitely see people observe the six foot rule and lots of questions about that. That we can talk about uh, how it actually affects the business model. But in terms of behavior, uh, we're going to see that. And we're going to see probably companies um, start with certain employees, certain numbers of employees, and then expand beyond that. A lot of people refer to that as kind of the phasing. Um, Beyond that, We'll see a big focus on air quality. Uh, In fact, right before you and I got together for this uh, meeting, Andrew, I got a um, a promotion from an HVAC engineering group that has already jumped on the air quality in office buildings. So we'll see a lot of consulting on that front. Um, And then beyond that, we're just gonna see limited occupancy in the workspace until people feel totally comfortable. So kind of six issues that um, I think we're going to see a lot. It's the behavior that is as a result of of the COVID-19. Well, it definitely is hard to to know what's the right
0: thing to do to keep your employees safe but still conduct business. So those are some great uh, bullet points that uh, I think, you know, are on all people's minds. I know they're on mine in terms of how we open up our office. Well, talking a little bit about the market, uh, not just the mentality, what fundamental changes do you see within the
1: marketplace of office and industrial? Great question. And this might surprise a lot of people because uh, seven weeks ago, we, we didn't think this was possible, but working from home is here to stay. And some level, some form, um, what we have found, and I've had lots of conversations with clients Uh, There are actually some businesses that are more productive, letting certain employees work from home. And then there are others that can't wait to get back to work. But nevertheless, working from home, we've all tested it. It either works or it doesn't work. We figured it out. And um, I mean, even, even you and I, Andrew, we figured out how we can work remotely. And we figured out which employees are you know, not only profitable, but productive. And uh, and so we'll see that going forward. I, I agree. I mean, just thinking about
0: all the tools, Microsoft Teams, uh, you know, the Google Docs, all these tools that have been around for several years, they've become you know, top of mind uh, today. Uh, so if people are going to be working from home, does that mean that businesses are going to need less workspace?
1: Is that going to negatively impact demand? Right. No one needs office space. No one needs industrial space. We're gonna do it all from home. (laughs) Um, Actually, uh, those are questions that came up initially by a lot of clients. And um, here we are seven weeks later, and the reality is it means that we're gonna work differently, but it does not mean we necessarily need less space. Um, the ability to have some employees work from home frees up some space to allow us to distance ourselves from our coworkers. So we're going to see re-utilization of space that way. Um, there's some, employee, some employers that can uh, shed space, but I really haven't seen much of that. For the most part, I've seen the amount of space stay about the same, but the utilization is different.
0: So that, so that goes right to workspace designs. Uh, are you starting to see architects change or, or clients change their
1: uh, de- their designs? We, uh, the conversation is there, absolutely. And, um, you know, I would venture to say that every one of my clients, probably most folks out there, I can't really speak to manufacturing or, or distribution, but from an office perspective, Um, probably 75% of the existing workspace is going to change in some way, shape or form. It could be super easy removing chairs around a conference room so that every other chair gets removed. It could be removing chairs from an area with cubicles so that every other cubicle gets used. It could be removing chairs, guest chairs from offices so that we're not encouraging you to have somebody any closer than, than six feet. So, you know, there's simple things we can do. Um, we'll also start to see uh some plexiglass shields put up, sneeze guards, you know, that kind of term. We'll see a little bit of that. And uh and then with systems furniture, movable furniture, we will see a lot of, of reorganization of that within a lot of workspaces. It was the whole reason we bought the movable furniture, and now we're going to really see how well it works, and we're going to understand the cost to move it. Um, so, you know, I think that whole movable furniture industry is um, is positioned perfectly to take advantage of what's going on.
0: So, long-term trends, we've been seeing the square footage per employee go down, you know, for at least a decade, I want to say. Do you think that trend of high-density occupancy that also then drives high parking ratios is going to change?
1: For the past 10 years, we have been talking about increasing density. And we started with 250 square feet per person, and it kept getting lower and lower, all the way down to 125 square feet per person. Uh, We are going to see those ratios go back up. And I would describe it as somewhere around the 1980s design criteria, where 250 square feet per person is probably where everyone is comfortable. That also translates into parking ratios. For the longest time in our business, we were pounding landlords. We need more parking, more parking, because we need to create higher density, because we need the office space to function at a more efficient level. Um, those days are gone, uh, at least for the distant future. Uh, so I'm thinking we're going to go from what was a you know, high watermark of, of density of 125 square feet per person or an eight per thousand parking ratio back to kind of that 1980s version of 250 square feet per person and more of a four per thousand ratio. So for those landlords that bought 1980 vintage buildings, which, speaking of West Shore, which is where we are, that's where the lion's share of our older inventory is. All of a sudden, those buildings are going to be in, in more favor.
0: Well, so with all those changes and, and kind of rethinking deals, are, are you still seeing deals get done? Uh, you know, tell me a little bit about the
1: deal activity. Sure. Deals are getting done um there no question the activity has slowed down uh no question we're seeing fewer tours but by the same token we're seeing lots of landlords invest in the virtual tour so that we can still help tenants find office space and landlords can get back into the business that they're in a leasing office space so um You know, this is new for everybody, but um, the interesting thing about our side of the business, uh, and I'm speaking of leasing versus owning, uh, leases have have an end date. And you've got to approach that end date with enough time to make a decision to either renew, downsize, expand, or relocate. And so uh, we're still seeing deals get done because they have to, because there is a a time frame needs to happen. Um, so, yeah, I mean, believe it or not, and it's it's hard for for a lot of, especially tenants, to think that things are getting done, but but they are. So,
0: you make a great point. Your know, lease expirations are going to start creeping up on people, and and have to be dealt with. And given all the uncertainty uh, and and the slowdown, I think the pause, as we've described in some of these other episodes. Uh, are you seeing a lot of tenants as a result of that ask for short-term deals? Uh,
1: yes, there, there are quite a few tenants that uh, do have an expiration staring them in the face. And, and they just want, well, they want a lot of things. They want free rent and they want a short-term uh, you know renewal. But landlords aren't necessarily giving that. Um, a landlord would grant a short-term renewal, if you will. Call it one year. If they were also concerned that the business, um, you know, might have some issues, but for businesses that appear to survive, landlords are going to try to force their hand and have them make commitments—normal commitments, whether it be three, which is still somewhat short; five is more typical; seven or ten. Um, so, certainly, we're seeing that. We're seeing those kind of questions. Uh, But, you know, by the same token, we're seeing some tenants and some landlords see this as an opportunity to fix things within leases that need to be fixed. Um, And I've seen, I've had lots of conversations and about to ink one myself, um, kind of a blend and extend where we're midstream in a lease. We have multiple locations within the same landlord, within the same building. We need to even it out. And, um, and so the landlord has said, look, let's fix everything that's wrong with the existing lease now. And in exchange for that, I'm going to give you some concessions today that it sounds like you want, but I need a full commitment from you going out, you know, call it 10 years. And so we're, we're still seeing those opportunities. That's a real win-win in a situation like we're in now. Blend and
0: extend. That is a term of a cycle veteran right there. I I remember that term on on the workout front and certainly on the leasing front. Yeah, we see it as well. So, you know, you're as you're as you're saying, that makes me think a little bit about, you know, first, tenant defaults. You know, a lot of that's been a big conversation. Uh, We've seen it certainly on the retail side, delinquencies, you know, as high as 70 percent in some centers. Uh, are you seeing a lot of uh, tenant or, I guess, even landlord defaults in the uh, in the office space, office industrial space?
1: Um, it, it, it's a yes and no answer. No, I have not seen any landlord or tenant, but I think we're all expecting some level. Uh, but for the CARES Act, uh, which was a very timely uh, lifeline for a lot of people, um, you know, that's, that bought easily three months for a lot of, of tenants out there and probably a lot of landlords as well to buy themselves into you know the safe zone. Um, so it's, it's up to all of us to figure out how to retool and, uh, and move forward. So I, I haven't seen anything yet, landlord or tenant, but I think that we will see some. The question is how bad will it be and I can't even answer that yet. Uh, there are a lot of folks out there, uh, you know, talking fairly bullish. But by the same token, if you are, if any clients, I don't have any at the moment, but if, they're, if their background is retail or restaurant, um, we could see, you know, some issues there. Um, just depends on their backing. Yeah, we, we've we been talking a lot about any business that
0: requires someone to walk in and buy something on the spot. Those are the ones that are impacted the most first. Uh, people that can still conduct business and be productive, going back to our early part of the conversation over the internet, uh, working from home, they seem to be faring the best so far. Yeah. Uh, well, just a couple last questions with, you know, thinking back over the last 10 years, the economy has been booming. And during that time, tenants, businesses have been looking for more space and and demand in terms of new development, just really hasn't kept pace. And as a result of that, it's been a landlord's market. So kind of two-part question, do you think we are still in a landlord market? And then as a result of that, how do you see the rental rates and potential concessions?
1: Sure. Great question. And I play on both the office and industrial side, so I'll break that apart. Uh, it is still a landlord's market on the industrial side. Uh, Leading into COVID-19, we had very little inventory and rents were just almost spiraling out of control. Lots of demand. And I see that continuing. I don't see any slowdown on industrial, especially since we're trying to bring a lot of our manufacturing back home anyway. Separate from that on the office front, Leading into COVID nineteen, so call it seven weeks ago, we had high water marks on the office front, rental rates, the highest we'd ever seen. New development, cranes all over the place, very low vacancy. You know, very confident landlords. We were not seeing a lot of concessions, and uh, and today, we we just don't know. I mean, this is uncharted territory for all of us. I have not seen, and you know me, Andrew, I have tried. I have not seen significant concessions from any landlords yet. But I have heard about their concern about the lack of activity. And, um, and I'm still busy, um, very busy. So I have had a few landlords whisper to me, look, I don't wanna lose this, I need this. You tell me what I need to do. So, you know, that little crack in the door um, is probably going to indicate some softness um, for landlords. Um, So, you know, I think they still are in a very good position. It just depends on how long it takes for us to recover. And and I don't think this is an immediate bounce back from pre-March. I think this is going to take us a while. It'll take Different companies, different amounts of time, and that will translate into how they utilize their office space and really how successful their business is going forward. So, jury's still out on that one.
0: Well, uh, this has been a great conversation. Uh, definitely, a lot of good takeaways, Chris. A lot of in, a lot of good insight. Uh, kind of parting question for you would be: You know, if I'm as a business owner, you have those maturities coming up, and you're starting to Think about what you have to do, and particularly in this environment, makes it even a little more uncertain. What advice would you give uh, to one of your prospective clients out there that is facing that
1: situation? Great question. Um, we have, uh, our team, office and industrial team at Franklin Street, has focused on constant contact with our clients. We need to understand where their pain points are. And once we understand what that is, then we get super creative about what we can do for them to kind of help them through this. It's that kind of partnership that allows us to do business with clients, you know, for years and years. And, and that is my advice is, you know, talk to your consultant, get good advice on what can be done. I've made lots of calls for tenants as well as lots of calls for landlords to the other side of the deal to say, hey, look, you know, let's figure this out. So uh, speaking for myself and everyone on our team, we have jumped in headfirst into our client situation to understand what it is. We call them pain points. And then figure out a good solution that we can deliver for.
0: Well, that's great advice. Uh, I know that getting in early and making sure you're thinking through all the, the elements of it. I mean, a lot of people in their work, They're not experts in negotiating leases. They have one lease and they worry about it every five years uh, or or 10 years. So getting with an expert early and and trying to make sure you're talking through and being proactive. So, Chris, how how long in advance of a lease
1: expiration should I be thinking about that? Um, I would routinely answer that irrespective of COVID-19. Three years in advance of a lease expiration is when you start the conversation unless there are business issues that require you to address it earlier, whether that be downsizing or expanding. Um, But two years in advance, you better have a pretty good idea of what your game plan is. And one year in advance, you should be in the thick of negotiating terms. It's taken a lot longer with the supply chain issues to get materials. So we can expect our construction schedules to take longer than we ever expected.
0: Great. Well, that will bring us to a close here. Chris Butler, thank you again for joining us and sharing your insight. A lot of great takeaways there for me, and I'm sure others. Uh, and I hope you guys all enjoyed today's episode and join us again for the next one. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Street Talk by Franklin Street. Have a question about something you heard on the street? Visit podcast.franklinst.com to send us your questions and listen to more insights.